0: Politics and above religion, a moral authority exists known globally as the Ageless Wisdom. It is the study of consciousness, the mystery of awareness, which cannot be measured, yet will not be denied. Stay tuned as we explore consciousness, the fundamental nature of reality. Welcome to the Ageless Wisdom Mystery School with Michael Banner.
1: And good afternoon. You're listening to The Ageless Wisdom Mystery School on KPFK at 90.7 FM all across Southern California. And of course, we live stream at kpfk.org. This program is also podcast on all platforms and streams at theagelesswisdom.com. Appreciate you joining us today. We have a wonderful show. We're going to talk about the New Thought Movement and what that is, new thought evolving out of the early 19th century. And uh, it's a term you don't often hear. We've heard new age, although, thank goodness, that term, I think, is finally beginning to fade since much of what we called new age in the 90s and early 2000s was really ancient wisdom. I never really thought that term fit uh, very well. But spirituality, and especially a eclectic form that embraces Christianity and Judaism, Islam, and the Eastern religions, so-called Hinduism, which is scores of religious traditions, along with Buddhism and Taoism. And there are groups like Theosophy, like uh, the Baha'i religion, and like New thought that really make an attempt to include all of these approaches to spirituality and that's a little of what we'll touch on today with our guest. Who I'll introduce in just a matter of minutes I I want to take a moment to mention that we are in the spring fun drive here at KPFK and reminding you whether you're an old timer and been listening for years and years and years, or maybe you've just stumbled across this radio station either on your FM dial or on the internet. We are non-commercial. That means we depend completely on our listeners and are indebted to our listeners editorially. You see, the primary reason that we refuse to take money from sponsors, big businesses, and giant corporations is that there's an implication that they have some editorial, well, Influence, if you not know, absolute control. Last week I told a couple of horrifying stories about my experience in commercial radio in Detroit and Los Angeles when managers of the radio station attempted to influence the way I was writing the news and my commentary on my talk shows. And that's never happened in the 30 plus years I've been involved at KPFK. Free speech is fundamental to democracy, and KPFK is a democratic radio station, not only diverse, but we have a local station board that is elected by those of you who contribute as little as $25 a year. So at the end of the program, I'm going to talk a little bit more about it, but you can make a pledge right now by calling 818-985-5735. Or whip out your debit card or ATM card, credit card, and call 818-985-5735 and make your contribution right there on the phone. 100 a $150, that would be great and a wonderful contribution for, well, let's say, a, a year. I like the sustainer circle. I'm always ranting about have as little as $10 a month drawn secretly, <laughs> silently, maybe a better word, out of your bank account with Sustainer's Circle. And uh, you won't even miss it, 10 bucks a month, 20 bucks a month, you know. And yet, at the end of the year, what a nice tax deduction you have. And, and what comfort and fulfillment in knowing that you're supporting what supports you, a truly democratic, progressive, diverse radio station, bringing you news and information that you will not get. Anywhere else, even other non-profit stations, so-called public radio stations, they take money from big corporations. And there's some editorial influence involved in that. So I I, I, I just can't imagine Los Angeles and Southern California without KPFK. So help us out, 818-985-5735. Or just point your web browser to kpfk.org slash donate, and make your contribution there. My guest today is a woman that I've known for uh, quite a few years. I think it was listeners of my radio program who introduced me to Unity of Tustin. And I knew about Unity Church, but I hadn't really explored any of the local churches. Tustin, down in Orange County, California— was a bit of a drive for me, living in the San Fernando Valley or Glendale, Hollywood, West Side. I've lived, <laughs> I've lived all over this town, and so I didn't get down to Orange County that often. But when I did, what a wonderful group of people I met in Tustin at the Unity Church down there. Among them, their senior minister, Marge Britt, who today is minister emeritus with Unity, which I think suggests some kind of retirement. We're, <laughs> we're gonna find out as we bring online Marge Brett, Reverend Dr. Reverend Marge Brett from Southern California and uh, still affiliated with Unity of Tustin, right? Good afternoon and, and welcome to KPFK.
2: Oh, thank you, Michael. And, you know, I think that person that uh, said you should go there was Steve Smith. <laughs> And he's the person that said to me a while back, you need to reconnect with Michael again. (laughs) So it's amazing. We become links for one another. We become part of the cosmic web of light. And we send those invitations sometimes that are extremely important in our soul's journey.
1: Yeah, in business they call that networking, but I feel it in a more, uh, well heart-based way. I guess it's less about what I think than what I feel. And uh, I've gotten pretty good over the years of learning to turn my logical brain off or sort of set it aside and lead with my heart. And boy, did I feel welcome at Unity. Just wonderful. As I remember, we did, it must have been 15 years ago, I did some sort of uh, webinar, or not a webinar, a, a seminar down there My brain is stuck in COVID thinking like everything's online. (laughs) I don't remember how long it was, but I do remember doing it and how much fun we had in the beautiful gardens. I, I assume those gardens are still there.
2: They are. And actually, they have become the sanctuary during the year of COVID because all of the churches had to shut down, no services indoors. And those gardens became the sanctuary and the services have continued all through the COVID era. And they've uh, moved from being live in the garden to being uh, live also online. And of course, by recording too. So it's a wonder. It's a gift of the, that has come out of the pandemic season, season that is taking Unity of Tustin into future time. And more to integrate, (laughs) have to up-level constantly when things surprise (laughs) us.
1: I discovered unity as uh, one of the branches of the new thought tree, I'll say it that way. And reflecting on this uh, interview today, I was recalling where and when I was when I began to discover new thought I think it must have begun when I found a book called Science of Mind by Ernest Holmes in the West Hollywood Library. I wonder who remembers libraries. I I actually checked the book out of the library, took it home, and was blown away. And I thought, who is this Ernest Holmes guy and what is Science of Mind, this book? I didn't know anything about the Science of Mind church. And just as a journalist began to explore them, I found out this is traceable to the early 19th century in New England and a group of, uh, what shall we say, uh, esotericists or uh, eclectic spiritual philosophers who, my understanding is what connected that school was an interest in the way the mind influences physical and mental health. And I think William James coined the term new thought, or he called it a mind cure. And so science of mind came out of that, and unity came out of that, and other branches, even Christian science came out of that. And uh, that was probably, what, 50 or 60 years before Blavatsky's Theosophical Society. Why don't you tell us a little bit about that early new thought movement?
2: Well, Christian Science actually was one of the first ones to come out of that, and the, the group was called the Transcendentalists, and they included people like Emerson and Thoreau, and, and some very, very uh, profound um, thinkers that were thinkers that went out of the box, and and it it was the beginning of the. Movement in the United States that was an American birthed spiritual movement. And it wasn't a transplant from Europe, it was one that was birthed in this country. And actually, a student, Emma Curtis Hopkins, was a student of Mary Baker, Eddie, and from Christian Science. And she established a school in Chicago. And it was there that Charles and Myrtle Fillmore went and were introduced to the kinds of processes for healing that our thoughts can heal our lives. And and you did not inherit illness. And it, it transformed Myrtle's life, and she began to hold prayer groups in her home. Charles was a businessman. He was an entrepreneur. He was in real estate. But he was an explorer, uh, wanting to explore things to see if they worked. And so he kind of sat back and watched what Myrtle was doing and gradually began to realize it had some profound implications. Myrtle healed herself of tuberculosis while it was still a deadly disease. And Charles had what he called a withered leg from a a skating accident, I think it was, in his childhood. And he actually, over the years of his life, grew his leg, unheard of. And yet, They went into it as a holy, what I love to call a holy experiment. And I love still doing that with my own life. Oh, let's do a holy experiment. Let's go into the energy of this and let's ask spirit to reveal itself and show us the way. And so Emma Curtis Hopkins wrote a book called High Mysticism. And that was one of the profound entries for me into mysticism, and it incredibly changed my life. Um, what I see now, having done a lot of deep dives into researching consciousness, I did that after I had stepped off the bricks and mortar platform in 2011, and began to do things online and, and got really really involved in in looking at research in consciousness and what is clear to me is that unity still is ahead of its time in the concept of integrating involution which is invoking the presence and the power of the holy spirit asking and invoking, and then out of that invocation comes the evolution of the soul. And it goes through stages. And um, the research that I've been involved in, and this is delightful to me, I've it has 12 stages. And I always knew there would be 12 stages. How did I know? Because the book of Revelation is absolutely filled with the number seven and the number 12. Uh, seven days of creation starts in the very first book of the Bible in first chapter of Genesis. So my own book is based on that concept of involution and evolution and 12 stages of consciousness. I love to call them phases as well as stages because... It's phasic. It's almost like the seasons. We have all of it within us all of the time. And as we live our lives, sometimes we will be in the experience of dissolving back into a two or three-year-old child, maybe an infant that still needs to be nurtured and cared for, Uh, maybe someone in their terrible twos that's having a temper tantrum, or we'll move into our... Uh, and I did this with my academic mind, (laughs) our academic vocations and structures and uh, find the brilliance that exists in our human minds. But there's always the divine mind that's always already there surrounding and encapsulating the all that is, surrounding us.
1: You know, sometimes people think of the conscious mind and unconscious mind as being two minds. And I often, in a classroom setting, for example, or with a private client, will remind them that, in fact, there's one mind, and just like an iceberg, the tip of it is conscious. But in the same way, the idea that Marge Britt has her own mind and Michael Benner has his, we're extensions of one divine mind. you want to expound on that?
2: Absolutely. Ultimately, we are all one, and there is no separation, and this is something way beyond my pay grade of my human mind. I don't know how to explain that or understand it with my human mind, as I shift into my divine mind, it's all that makes sense. I feel the grace of it and the blessing of it, and I I give my life to it, and I live and move and have my being in this field. Rumi called it, there is a field beyond right and wrong. I will meet you there. It's It, it becomes almost poetic. And uh, Kabir and Rumi and many uh, amazing poets have spoken of it and spoken of the different shades of it. You know, there's shadows in it and there's uh brilliance in it and there's the golden shadow Carl Jung talked about that is coming from higher mind, part unconscious, and then we have our conscious mind. There's our uh, shadow crashes where we go back into karmic material to heal and to uh, to rework to reconfigure in this energy field that is consciousness and ultimately Michael you and I are probably part of the same soul group <laughs> emerson talked about soul groups
1: yeah the idea of ashrams uh, the over soul living in an in ashram or uh, even led Zeppelin did that uh, that album, Houses of the Holy. Yes. Another, another way of talking about it. like intention and probably sharing a similar mission.
2: You know, I, think I, soul, I You and I
1: are teachers. Yeah.
2: yeah. I think the soul comes in with a mission. Do we remember it? No. And the reason we don't remember it is as the soul descends from spirit, comes in uh, to the womb of uh, the parents we had parents, the mother we have chosen in order to incarnate in human form, uh, we come in with a in- commitment, an intention. And it's always about our bringing into this experience more of the good, the true, and the beautiful. And sometimes some souls end up in circumstances that have the appearance of difficulty. And that's another uh, deep dive. And we become teachers of light, even in those settings, if we become conscious.
1: Not to interrupt you, but I'm often staggered by how young we are as a species. Uh, I sometimes remind myself that my grandfather, not, not great, 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 but just my mother's father, was born before electricity, yes, before cars, before airplanes. And yet uh, I sat with him on the sofa and watched Neil Armstrong walk on the moon. And uh, I thought he would be more impressed, but he was sort of took it in stride, having seen the first airplane, the first car, the first electric light bulb. And, uh, you know, then we're dealing with generations who have always known the Internet. And yet we've only had written language for at most 2,000 years. We've just recently swung down out of the trees. And to discover consciousness and our potential, I can't think of anything more exciting. I should say that in a more positive way. What an adventure to realize that we have this awareness that we've just begun to explore. And I want to talk to you more about that, but I've got to take a real quick break, okay? My guest is Marge Britt. She is Minister Emeritus at Unity of Tustin, and um, you may know her. She was senior minister there for a couple of decades until, uh, what, about 11 years ago, I think, right?
2: 2011.
1: Okay, nine years ago. And we'll be back. We're talking about new thought and a whole approach to uh, a philosophy in, in a really uh, unified and, and eclectic way and especially the whole idea of awareness as it applies to healing and our extraordinary potential as human beings. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Ageless Wisdom Mystery School on KPFK. Radio like this happens because of you. Donate to KPFK by calling 818-985-5735 or log on to kpfk.org forward slash donate. Keep listening. You're gonna love it. This is the Ageless Wisdom Mystery School on KPFK, heard in Southern California on 90.7 FM. In the Santa Barbara area, you can hear KPFK at 98.7, in Northern San Diego 93.7 FM, and up in the high desert, Ridgecrest and China Lake at 99.5 FM. Of course, we stream live 24 hours a day on the internet at kpfk.org. My guest today, Marge Britt, and I are discussing Unity, where I met Marge at Unity of Custon in Orange County, but there are Unity churches all over the United States. Are they still coordinated out of, uh, what's it called, Unity Village in Missouri?
2: They are. That's the international headquarters. It is a beautiful, beautiful 1,400 acres with lakes and Wonderful, wonderful architecture, uh, Mediterranean architecture. And uh, it's it's a retreat site as well as uh, the spiritual center for both uh, Unity Worldwide ministries and for Unity World Headquarters. They're actually two different organizations, and they're both located there on that beautiful campus of consciousness called Unity Village now.
1: I'm wondering uh, to what extent they're changing, because I've watched Science of Mind Church, so-called religious science, move away from that name.
2: They're now called the Centers for Spiritual Living.
1: There you go. I don't know why they did that. Do you? Is there something about Science of Mind that?
2: I think they were trying to move away from the concept of things that were old and religious And religious science was in that category. And Unity Worldwide now calls themselves spiritual but not religious, uh, which I don't uh, feel totally comfortable with because I still know the religious part of myself. It has my beautiful foundational values that I still love. (laughs) And uh, so... It's all part of the way we define ourselves, almost like children growing into teenagers and then growing into young adults and, you know, developmental stages.
1: Well, another way I think of this movement that, again, is uh, basically 200 years old now is metaphysical Christianity. Yes. It's all about consciousness, it's all about awareness. And I think that's what spirit means. I know literally it means breath, but how would you describe the relationship of spirit, so-called, to consciousness or awareness?
2: Well, what I see, and I love the Bible, and when Jesus was with the disciples, he said, I will send you a comforter, and that comforter is the Holy Spirit. And so it's our connection between the transcendent and the eminent. And so I invoke the power of the Holy Spirit constantly in my own life. I feel that power of the Holy Spirit living in me and through me and as me. And it's part of the bridge between the invisible and the visible. It's part of the bridge between the way we live our life and think about our life with our human mind and the way we experience our life through a divine mind. And um, I don't know if that that answers your question, Michael. It
1: doesn't need to, even if it brings up more questions. That's (laughs) Uh that's part of the search. (laughs) You used the uh, phrase imminent and transcendent. Yes. Which I've always found very provocative and a little bit complex. Does that mean that the imminent part that all divinity is in each and every one of us and the transcendent that each and every one of us is in all that is divine? Is it sort of a... That's
2: a perfect definition. (laughs)
1: Left hand washing the right hand kind of a thing.
2: It's the perfect definitions, perfect integration. Ultimately, it's one. It's the divine masculine and the divine feminine as one. It's Father Sky. It's Mother Earth. It's Shiva. It's Shakti. Uh, it's uh, in Eastern traditions. It's the Kundalini. <laughs> this movement of energy that travels from the highest chakras in a spiraling down to the root chakra and into the earth, and simultaneously the uh, movement of the soul spiraling upward. It's all through spiritual teachings, east and west. And that's one of the things that we sort of uniquely did in some ways uh, at Unity of Tustin. We brought master teachers from all kinds of different paths, world paths, and I didn't realize how unusual and extraordinary it was until after I retired. (laughs) People like Adyashante said, I've never seen a place like this, Marge. And I thought Roger Walsh, who was a professor at UC Irvine, best friend of Ken Wilber, told me the same thing. I thought they were just uh, being nice to me because they liked me. (laughs) And then I found out it really did have a uniqueness that was a treasure, an absolute treasure.
1: I think you had and have a lot to do with that, Marge, frankly. But um, thank goodness for centers like this where people can gather even now with uh, uh, covid virtually but i think we just heard this past week that uh, people who've been fully vaccinated can toss off their masks yes and so we are rounding third and uh, we still need to be wise and careful but i think this has been good for us in many ways stressful difficult challenging horrific for those who have who have suffered and uh, those who love them, but uh, part of our growth and our evolution and, and at, a, at a time when America's seemingly so, and, and much of the world seemingly so filled with animosity and, and anger and hatred. And I see all of that rooted in fear.
2: We're in an evolutionary shift, Michael, and we can never go back to the way it was. Even, uh, those who have taken astrology seriously and studied it as a science, uh, teach it very clearly that this evol- evolutionary shift is happening. And it's a shift into new structures. Uh, it's a shift from the Piscean Age into, uh, the Aquarian Age. And so we are moving in consciousness into this is going to be sound interesting into a new age <laughs> but this is not the one they talked about in the 1990s that they called the aquarian age but in fact this uh this is part of a shift that is going to change consciousness and all of the structures that we have known and I mean it's happening already are going to be re-examined and many of them will dissolve. And that's going to require looking at government structures. It's going to require looking at all kinds of institutional structures. We're moving into an age where consciousness is going to be a dominant energy field. And we're in the womb of it right now. Last year, 2020 was about the dissolve of the old. And we're now in the womb of what is beginning to birth. 2021 will be, will be beginning to go through the birth canal in a, a way that's going to be meaningful and manifest, but is still going to be baby steps where we're finding our way into a new vibrational field and it's about consciousness
1: i'd like to ask you about a distinction i've made in my own mind and and see what it brings up for you and that's the difference between learning and awakening you're a teacher you have a doctorate in education that's your background before getting involved in unity I, too, went to school. I have degrees, and I know how it feels to be a student treated as if I were an empty vessel that needed to be filled with knowledge. But I also, and and I'll call that learning, but I also know the feeling of encountering new information that provokes my thinking and feeling in such a way that it almost feels like I'm remembering something that I once knew a long, long time ago. And it's not like I'm learning new information. It's like I'm realizing or awakening to something that is becoming increasingly self-evident. And then I try it in my life, and I meet people like you, and we're still struggling for language and ways of communicating this to each other. Thank God for the poets and the songwriters. You mentioned Rumi and Kabir and Hafiz and these great Persian poets. And I don't think many, many Europeans and and Americans realize how much of our romantic culture we owe to the, uh, to the Middle East and their ideas of romantic love as well as spiritual love. But Learning versus awakening. How would you respond to that?
2: Learning comes through the human mind. It comes through experiences. It comes through all of the kinds of emotional responses we have to um, things happening to us. And awakening is a process that is within us. And it begins to activate within us. I mean, it's a seed almost that's been planted. And you the word remembering is exactly what it is. I am remembering uh, a song that I had sung for my ordination service, Let Me Remember That I Am One With God. And that comes from A Course in Miracles, the words. And um, And that's what, we hold that awareness. We have an awareness of awareness, a capital A awareness of a small a awareness. And we are the all that is. We just don't have a concept in our human mind of what that means. And the human mind isn't even able to go there because it's beyond the human mind, beyond the rational mind. And yet it is that awakened energy. And it, does that mean that it's all going to be um, peachy keen? I don't think so. I think what it means is that there is an essence that we begin to recognize. It's almost as if when we begin to open into it, especially at the level of, of the third eye, when that opens, we can instantly identify falsehood and deception. We begin to discern essence, the essence of the all that is. We see it in everyone, even people who are acting in ways that we find despicable. (laughs) We can see all of the complexity. And at one point in our own evolution, and I go back to one of the researchers, scientists, medical doctors, spiritual teachers, David Hawkins, that was important to me. At a certain level in consciousness, he called it the level of 600, there's a protection that comes. And the good, the true, and the beautiful begins to live itself through us and as us, in us and through us and as us. And we become light in the world. Jesus said it. I am the light of the world. You are the light of the world. The things that I do, you will do also, and even greater things.
1: One of the threads that harmonizes and unites religion from around the world is the idea of becoming non-judgmental. And uh, usually, if we hear, so well, let's say someone quoting Christ about not judging others. We usually consider judgment only in terms of judging other people or not judging other people, but we put ourselves through the worst criticism and self loathing. The ironically ego nature is just tearing us apart and declaring our inadequacy constantly. Would you talk for just a moment about the importance of not judging ourselves?
2: Well, the development of a healthy ego is a very, very important part of our growing up. And so part of our journey as a soul that uh, is usually uh, in our 20s and 30s and often going toward our 40s is about, you know, identifying uh, who we are in the world, and finding the ways and the paths that, that will be part of that unfolding and our contribution to humankind. We get stuck sometimes, and we also find ourselves attracted to things like money and success and greed, and there's nothing wrong with that. That's a developmental stage. I was there when I did my doctoral dissertation, <laughs> and it even reflected the word success in the title, and it was a study of women and the glass ceilings that they hit in their evolutionary experience of moving towards success. Yet, we beat ourselves up, too, and often it's due to wounds that we've had, experiences that we've had that have been painful, uh, people who have discounted us shamed us, made us feel guilty. And part of us will drop back into those unconscious wounds and act them out. And we're really hard on ourselves as a result of that. And yet, once we began to go through the shifts and there's there's so much, Jill Bolte Taylor just published a brand new book that's just coming out about our four brains. We have a thinking brain, both on the left brain and the right brain side, and we have an emotional brain, both on the left brain and the right brain side. She names all of her four parts, and she uh, begins to recognize which one's showing up. I love being part of the research now. I, that's what I want to devote the rest of my life to, working with people to find I mean, it's like exploring the Louisiana Purchase, and you're Lewis and Clark, and you've been commissioned by the president to guide others and map the territory. Michael, I think you're doing some of that. I think I'm doing some of that. It's the most exciting work of my life, and here I am. (laughs) post-retirement and feeling more alive than I uh, have in the last 20 years. (laughs) Fascinating.
1: Yeah, I can relate to that. It's the only thing I think about uh, besides, uh, well, even my daily life and affairs, my relationship with my wife and my cats. I mean, everything then becomes a subset of this preoccupation that I have with Uh, consciousness and it's just joyful. I mean, joy is the best way that I can. I know what it's like to be depressed. I've had periods of sadness in my life. I've grieved the loss of friends and family. And you mentioned the shadow that we cycle into and out of, you know, even the moon has its phases and stages. So, You know we can't always be at the top of our game, but nevertheless, first thing I think of when I get out of bed is this material and its expanding nature. There's always so much more. It's just the answers that you get are filled with more questions you've never been able to ask before (laughs) until you got the insight, and it's just better and more questions and more one it's an unfolding isn't
2: it yes yes and it's phasic we have all of the seasons within us all of the time and it, 2020 was a wintry kind of season a lot of things uh died in the 2020 uh season that was very very difficult now we're moving more into a spring season and the cherry blossoms are beginning to bloom. Uh, does that mean that the cherries are on the tree? No. Doesn't mean that. It, it's phasic. And we go through these phases. I see in my research now, my book says three phases, uh, uh, three tiers or stages. And I'm beginning now to see four and the last one is the ageless soul, where the soul emerges. In fact, Thomas Moore wrote a book recently about that. He was the author of The Care of the Soul and has now moved, shifted into the ageless soul realm. And I think that's part of the evolution that is happening and still not totally recognized. We have a culture that, puts people in retirement homes or labels them with concepts that are competitive or, or, or and other kinds of things. You know, it, They're not honored in the way that ancient traditions did. Some traditions still do of honoring elders. So it's fascinating.
1: That's one of the things I loved about Hawaii is uh, the years that I lived there was the way they honor and revere older people. You know, even if somebody's rather foolish, the fact that they're gray uh, wh- or white haired the fact that they're older doesn't matter. You give them reverence even if they do appear, appear to be very foolish. And of course, more often than that, we get great wisdom from people who've been around the block that many times. Yeah. But in a, in a materialistic society, we're just worker bees and widgets and and you're, you're right. We're judged on our, uh, not even our productivity, but the appearance of productivity as uh, worker bees. And I would like to see that change in America that needs to evolve also. So that.
2: Well, my uh, research shows that our language even shifts and changes, our values shift and change. We begin to live and breathe our lives in ways that are different as we evolve. In our soul's ascension, we're ascending in consciousness and it's transcending and including. It's not transcendent and trash. And so the stories of our lives become treasures that are like parables and they become examples for others to see and observe and honor and live by and teaching stories. So The ego stories sort of each have their own dimensions in their own time and in their own place, but they're not what we carry into our ascended, awakened states. They are relative and part of it, but not the all of it.
1: (laughs) There's that saying, you can't take it with you. Maybe we should ask ourselves, what can we take with us?
2: (laughs) Consciousness. And that's the the other thing that's happening right now. Really, really powerful researches research going on, coming out of the University of Arizona and amazing spiritual teachers. Suzanne Giesman is one that's now has a weekly show on Unity FM on consciousness through the veil, communication through the veils, life after life. So we're, we're entering realms that we've never lived in before and understood consciously and now we're being invited to know. So it's a knowing that goes beyond the learning. Marge,
1: how can people find out more about you and your writing and, and what you're doing? And uh, you have a website, email addresses. How can people yeah, reach
2: you? Um, my book, is your soul's invisible codes. And it's about unveiling your sacred love story. It's about seeing through the eyes of the soul. It's about those phases of your emerging consciousness. And uh, it's available, uh, Dr. Marge Britt, on uh, Amazon.com or on my Balboa website. But Amazon gets it to you faster than... (laughs) Say the name of it again. The book is your soul's invisible codes. These are the codes of your emergence, actually, uh, uh, the involution and the evolution. So, your soul's invisible codes. Um, my website is calledbyloveinstitute.com. dot com, and uh, my personal uh, contact is Marge M A R J at calledbyloveinstitute.com. dot com.
1: Well, listen, it's been a joy having you on the Mystery School show here. And uh, best wishes, love and blessings, and peace to you and your family and your friends. And Gosh, I'd love to do it again down the calendar a bit.
2: Absolutely, Michael. It's, it's just such a gift to see you again and to make the connection that we made originally when we walked through the garden at Unity of Tustin together. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I feel the same way. Thank you. Dr. Reverend Marge Britt, our guest today on the Ageless Wisdom Mystery School. Stay tuned. I have a few more words in the remaining minutes about this radio station that I know you're going to want to hear. This is KPFK in Los Angeles.
0: We realize that times are definitely tough for so many right now, and that you may have had to rethink what you can afford to give to your favorite nonprofit organizations. That's why we're so appreciative of those contributions that we actually do receive. It says a lot about how important KPFK is to you that you continue to voluntarily invest in this station. We thank you because you're helping to provide this essential community service to everyone in our region and beyond. You're helping to move the conversation forward. And if you're able to, but haven't yet, Please make that investment in KPFK right now. Please go to kpfk.org and pledge securely online or call us at 818-985-5735. That's 818-985-KPFK. Thank you.
1: Welcome back. This is Michael Benner with you on KPFK 90.7 FM in Los Angeles. Just a few minutes remaining in today's show. Again, I want to thank Dr. Reverend Marge Britt for being our guest and remind you that we are in our spring fun drive here at KPFK. This is when we turn to you and remind you that in order for us to remain commercial free, and that means devoted to, indebted to, no one but you, no big sponsors, no major corporations. And that means no influence, no desire to please anyone but you. This is a democratically run radio station. Free speech is essential. And that means we need your help supporting this radio station. Not a lot of money, you know, $25 or more makes you a member of the KPFK family it allows you to participate in our elections, like for local station board and other referenda that we may have coming up. But if you're contributing just once a year, we'd like you to consider what would 1% of your income be? Not 10% tithing or anything, but just 1% of what you earn in a year. Well, if you made $50,000 a year, then 1% would be 500 bucks, right? So what if you contributed one-fifth of 1%? That would be $100. And somewhere between one-fifth of 1% and 1%, the range of $100 to $500, that would be most helpful. A really nice contribution to KPFK between $100 and $500, for those of you in that income bracket. If you made a lot more than that, you could consider upping that contribution, and if you made very much less in the same way, what would one quarter or one half of 1% of what you make amount to? You can do the math. (laughs) You can figure that out. Probably pennies a day. If you use Sustainer Circle at kpfk.org slash donate, or by calling 818-985-5735 now and ask you about Sustainer's Circle, well, $10 a month would be 33 pennies a day. You can't tell me that's beyond your reach. 33 pennies a day, that's 10 bucks a month, $120 a year. Nice tax-deductible contribution. And if you contributed $1 a day, that's $30 a month. So $10 or $25 a month at Sustainer's Circle Adds up. It's a really nice contribution, and I doubt you're even going to miss it. You can drop that at Starbucks in a couple of visits easily. And look at what you're doing. Look at the way you're expressing your support for what supports you. Democratic, progressive, and diverse news and information unavailable anywhere else. Oh yeah, there are other non-profit radio stations in town, but they're taking money from big business and multinational corporations. And along with that money comes an implication of editorial influence. We don't allow that here. We want to be indebted only to you. This has been a tough time for everyone the last year. Many of our listeners have been unemployed and and that's really hit us hard. We instituted a 30% cut in our budget earlier this year. We laid off a program director and a senior producer and a number of people who were really integral to running this radio station have been released. We're on a wing and a prayer at this point and really need your support. So call now, 818-985-5735, 985-KPFK, or simply point your browser to the website, kpfk.org slash donate. I was thinking the other day, how do I reach those people, really the majority of people who listen to KPFK, who have never contributed any money at all? What's the deal? How do I appeal to you? How do I convince you that while you can receive this radio station commercial-free without contributing anything, it's really in your interest as well as everyone else's to offer an appropriate donation or contribution? and one that's tax-deductible as well. Maybe you have yourself convinced that you can't afford it, or, I don't know, that nobody will know that you're not making a contribution, that you're not helping out. But I know human beings, and the vast majority of people, (laughs) unless they're sociopathic or psychopathic, care. We have a caring, loving nature. If you came upon an injured animal, A wild animal or perhaps it was someone's pet and you didn't know that animal it could be a cat or a dog a bunny rabbit or a sparrow or a house finch wouldn't you care for it wouldn't you do something wouldn't you pick it up and at least take it to a wildlife rescue center or a veterinarian or something and if it cost you 20 or 25 bucks you'd be okay with that you wouldn't mind think about how you'd feel if you drove away Knowing you saved that little critter's life, you'll never see it again, but it was worth the 20 25 bucks to pay for the rescue, the care, and the recovery of that little critter. You'd feel pretty good, wouldn't you? Well, that's more than just a metaphor or allegory. That's the way you'll feel when you make a regular contribution, any contribution to KPFK, especially a regular contribution monthly, $25.00 drawn directly out of your bank account with your ATM card, your debit or credit card of choice. And yeah, there are thank you gifts, there are premiums, but what if you said, no, that's okay, I'll pass on that. Then even more of your money goes directly to the mission of paying the light bill, keeping the air conditioning on, the 110,000 watts that come off the top of Mount Wilson. We're absolutely, totally dependent upon you. We don't even get government money, Corporation for Public Broadcasting. We haven't received that CPB money in years. Over 90% of our money comes from listeners just like you, and we need your help. And the sooner you're able to help, and the more of you that step up and make a contribution or a donation, the sooner we can end the fun drive and get back to regular programming, right? So help us out right now with a telephone call to 818-985-5735-985-KPFK or point your web browser to kpfk.org slash donate. And for that, we thank you very, very much. Join us next week, every Tuesday at one o'clock in the afternoon, on KPFK for the Ageless Wisdom Mystery School. Check out my website at michaelbenner.com. This program streams as a podcast on all platforms and on demand at theagelesswisdom.com. The T-H-E is part of it, the W's dot, As always, be gentle, love life, and take care of each other. From Los Angeles, this is Michael Benner. So long.